What's up gamers and welcome to Lost at Sea Gaming. I am hulking Yoda, the captain of this ship, the SS Gamer. And you have just entered my captain's quarters, my weekly gaming update show where I talk about my favorite gaming news topic of the past week, discuss what games I've been playing, give tips on some of those games, as well as issue a weekly relevant gaming related decree. This week, it's all about some of my favorite announcements from Gamescom, so let's talk about them and dive right into the episode with my news catch of the week. Gamers, this past week was the latest Gamescom, which is a, think of it as a E3 of Germany, that thankfully we've gotten on an annual basis for quite a few years now. And I feel like it's really picked up steam in the last few years as far as the kind of announcements that come out of it and the level of excitement going into it. And man, there's just a lot of really good stuff that comes out of the show every year, in my opinion. And from the 25th of August to the 27th, we got to experience quite a few announcements, some new trailers, some games that we didn't know existed, some games we thought existed and got confirmation. Uh, a lot of good stuff that really highlighted this show. But there was just a few things that I wanted to touch on that stood out for me personally. And the first thing that I'll touch on is release dates. So release dates are huge. Obviously, I think anymore at this point in time, we as gamers kind of take release dates with a grain of salt, as we should, because if you have been a gamer for any kind of length of time at this point, you know that a release date is really just kind of a, a number. <laughs> There's nothing concrete anymore when it comes to these release dates. However, one game in particular, Horizon Forbidden West, that is, has had a ton of hype around it since its announcement last year. And unfortunately, here recently, since the last PlayStation State of Play that highlighted Horizon Forbidden West for about 14 minutes with no payoff in a release date, we finally got that release date here at the beginning of Gamescom, and it is what we all expected. It has been pushed back officially to 2022. The new official release date is February 18th of 22. So... Let me just say my opinion on this. I'm actually pretty excited about it. 100% and behind February being the release for Forbidden West. Few reasons. The first Horizon Zero Dawn, that actually released in February of its release year, just a few years ago. So it kind of makes sense, kind of continues that trend of releasing in February. Secondly, I don't know if you guys are like me at all, but my fall is very much filling up with a lot of high-profile titles that I want to play. And going into it, I was kind of assuming that Horizon Forbidden West was going to fall in that November release date range. And man, I, I'll be honest, that would have been my priority as far as all the other games that I know of that are supposed to come out in that time frame. But... Zero Dawn took me 100 hours to play through, so I know I'm probably looking at at least 100 hours for Forbidden West. So to have all these games around it, man, it was just probably going to be another one of those situations where I am fighting for time and never getting anywhere. So it's actually kind of a relief to me to know that I have a few months to try to get through these newer releases that are coming out in the fall, hopefully by the time... Forbidden West releases, if it does in fact stick to that release date of February 18th of 22. 
Now, the other big release date coming out of Gamescom this past week was the other company's big exclusive title. Obviously, the other company being Xbox. Horizon is obviously an exclusive to Sony and PlayStation. So Xbox, what obvious major exclusive title do they have coming their way, supposedly, this year? Well, it was confirmed for now that Halo Infinite will be hitting Xbox consoles December 8th of this year. So, a couple things on that. First, the release date. I got to tell you, I'm extremely shocked with that release date because I knew for a fact, I just knew that I knew that I knew all this time that, okay, it got pushed back. They're going to wait until November 15th, which is the 20th anniversary of Xbox. They're going to do it. They're going to hit the nostalgia feels. That's when the release date's going to be announced for. And to have it confirmed as December 8th, not even in the month of November, I was shocked, to be honest with you. So at the end of the day, December 8th, November 15th, doesn't really matter too much to me. I honestly think that it's probably a good thing for me as well that it is December 8th and not in the middle of November because I'll be honest, I'll be coming off of some Far Cry 6 and probably some other lengthy titles that are thrown in there that it'll give me again, kind of like with Forbidden West in February now, that extra time to try to get through those before I get locked up in Master Chief's fight. But a caveat here with Halo Infinite is they did confirm 343 Industries, the developer, that it will be missing a few features at launch on December 8th, which was very uh, head-scratching for a lot of us gamers. The first of which is campaign co-op. Now, I don't know about you guys, but all the way back on the original Xbox, the original Halo Combat Evolved, not online multiplayer co-op, but I mean, you could at least play couch co-op and LAN co-op, local area network, I, I I was just shocked, I'll be honest with you. Uh, the first Halo that had that online connectivity at launch to not have an, a campaign online co-op mode available to it, it was actually quite shocking. And the other feature is Forge. So for those of you that love creating things and creating your own maps and all kinds of different, just personalized anything, really, Forge will not be available at launch on December 8th. Now, 343 did go into some detail as to when we should expect these features to arrive. And what they said their plan is, is they plan to release these two different features in forthcoming seasons of Halo Infinite. And they did say that seasons, a single season, should be around three months. So every three months, we should be getting a new season of Infinite. And campaign co-op should be coming in season two, which, if that's three months from December's release date, we're probably looking at March if that date sticks for campaign co-op, and then three months later in season three in June for Forge. So we'll see if those dates stick, but I got to tell you, it's kind of surprising. I mean, it doesn't affect me too much. I haven't really played campaign co-op online with a friend in quite a few years in Halo, but I know that's a huge, huge deal for a lot of players out there, and it kind of sucks. So, uh, even with the pushback and release date from last year to this year, and, and still to not have some of these features, it just kind of, I'll be honest with you guys, kind of makes me a little worried. But outside of these release dates, 
those are the two major release date topics that I wanted to discuss. There were two titles that were shown off and announced at this event that really stood out to me and had me excited. The first one has me just doing cartwheels in the street excited, and that is Marvel's Midnight Suns. Now, if you have ever heard of Fire Axis in the XCOM series, that is who the developer is for this game, Fire Axis. XCOM, think of it as kind of a strategy, turn-based RPG, but more focused on the strategy and pretty hardcore in the difficulty level of things. Well, Marvel Midnight Suns is similar only to the fact that it is a strategy RPG. Outside of that, the similarities completely go in opposite directions. According to Fire Axis, that is. Now, Midnight Suns is going to be targeting a release of March 2022 for all consoles and PC. And the trailer shown off at Gamescom, it was only a CG trailer. I know, I know, we as gamers hate CG trailers. We want gameplay. We want gameplay. I get it. I'm right there with you. But as far as this is concerned, at least they told us, Fire Axis that is, that hey, the first gameplay reveal is coming September 1st, which will be tomorrow, the day after this episode launches. And I cannot wait to see what that gameplay is about. So what was this trailer about they showed off at Gamescom, though, that got me so excited? So if you guys have listened to this show for a while, you know I'm a huge comic book guy. I absolutely love comic books and superheroes and these characters and these worlds. So with Midnight Suns, it's actually a game based on a series of comic book stories from the 80s, 90s. And a lot of these characters are very, in my, in my personal opinion, they are very underused characters in the Marvel Universe. Characters such as Ghost Rider and Blade. I love these characters and they're really outside of the comic book medium. Not used a whole lot, especially in video games. So to see that in this CG trailer, pretty much showing off all the different characters that you're going to be able to play as or involve in your team, I got really excited. So obviously I already said Blade, Ghost Rider. The other big one for me, Wolverine. You got it? Logan, oh, I cannot wait to have him, Blade, Ghost Rider, and then of course you have staples like Captain America, Iron Man, Captain Marvel's in there, but another guy that I think doesn't get a whole lot of love, at least until here more recently, you see him popping up a little bit more because of his movie in the Avengers, I think, the movie that is, that's Doctor Strange, so he's also in this, and looks to be a pretty key player as well. But the ironic thing here is none of these guys are the single sole protagonist in this story. There's actually a created character that you as the player create at the beginning of the game who ends up being the child of Lilith, which is the main antagonist of this game. So going to be very interesting there from a story standpoint to see what that's all about because obviously it looks as if your created character will team up with these heroes to then take on and take down Lilith. So I'm very excited for this. Uh, as far as gameplay, again, nothing has been shown. Not too many details are known either other than a few things that Fire Axis did put out there that obviously it's a turn-based strategy RPG similar to XCOM. But uh, outside of that... They did say that you could influence your relationships with the heroes, but you can't romance anybody. So anybody hoping for some 
Paragon or any kind of achievements like you get in Mass Effect for romancing so many people. Not happening here. No romance options here. So at the end of the day, this was just an awesome looking CG trailer. It was backed by a very interesting cover of Metallica's Enter Sandman. So just saying, really cool trailer. Really got me excited. Can't wait to see more on this. The second game, though, was Saints Row. And I know a lot of you out there might be crying heresy here because I know there was a lot of division online about this reboot. But it is that. It is a reboot of the Saints Row franchise. Man, I got to tell you, I'm excited for it, but I'm also a little apprehensive. So for me, a little backstory, Saints Row, the original game, I absolutely loved it when it first came out, that first game. Played it, beat it, absolutely loved it. The second one, didn't play a whole lot into it, and then I never played the third or the fourth game, or got out of hell. Now, I know, you're probably like, wait a minute, you, you didn't play the best ones. You're probably right, based on what all the feedback I've been given from Friends such as Logan Phoenix over at Graveyard Gamer. Got a podcast right here on Anchor. Check him out. Man, I can't tell you how much he has lauded those games over the years. And I have them right there on my Xbox hard drive. I've just never pressed the A button to initiate those games. But now I want to get back into that franchise. I understand that this game is supposed to be more akin to Saints Row 3 as opposed to Saints Row 4. Meaning that the over-the-topness, <laughs> the further you got into the series, is kind of toned down a little bit. Kind of, kind of brought the game back down to earth just a little bit. And it's a whole new cast of characters, a whole new city. Definitely going to be very interesting to check out. And I am looking forward to it. It is supposed to release on all consoles but Switch, as well as on the PC, on February 25th of 22. And ultimately, you're going to play as a group of characters that are looking to start up a criminal empire. And it looks like you're going to be starting from the ground up. The city that you play in is being described by Volition as the biggest city that it's ever created. And you're going to have multiple unique gangs, each of which are going to have to be taken down by yours. So expect the unexpected, it would seem, when it comes to this new Saints Row reboot. I look forward to seeing what the differences are, and I can't wait. So that was what my highlights were from Gamescom and my catch of the week. Now, let's go open up my captain's log and see what games I've been playing. Gamers, this past week, I had what I felt was a pretty good variety of genre in my captain's log. And the first game I want to go over is a new release from this past week, and that is Psychonauts 2. Now, let me just put out there, I am a huge fan of that original game, and I just, I can absolutely not believe that it has been 16 years since that original game released. It feels long, about that long, but it doesn't at the same time, if that makes sense. I just, almost 20 years since that last game. And I gotta say that this game did a excellent job of recapping if you've never played that first game, or if you're like me, and it's been 16 years since you experienced that story, it did a great job at the beginning, without being too long and drawn out, of explaining the story, catching you up to speed, as well as covering the story details of what happened in the VR-only game, Rhombus of Ruin. So I was very appreciative of that, because I never had VR to be able to experience that game or its story. So they did a great job. Kudos to Double Fine for that. 
Uh, I got to say, I, I so far, I'm just absolutely loving the game. Had no question that I would be, but got to confirm it to you guys. I still love the art style of this game. It's very unique and very specific, in my opinion, to the Psychonauts franchise at this point. Just the art style, the character design. To me, it's very reminiscent of, say, a Tim Burton style. Uh, even it reminds me some of the characters, especially Raz, the main character of the character of James in the James and the Giant Peach movie from 96. Any of you 90s kids out there, you'll know what I'm talking about. It was kind of a live action meshed with stop motion animation movie that is one of those that really grabbed me at 20 some years ago. Very much similar to that character design. And speaking of the design... Just like in that first game that has so many memorable levels and the way that everything was laid out and themed, it is just the same in this game, and I love it. I love theming in any game, and it's no different here. I just absolutely love the tongue-in-cheek humor that's everywhere in the form of posters or the NPC designs. It's everywhere you look. And it's just a lot of fun to really take in these environments and look for the little jokes that Double Fine has put in there. I just absolutely love it. The first area that you start out in is inside the mind of a dentist. So you can imagine some of the insane themed areas of teeth and throat passageways and all kinds of just crazy stuff, to be honest with you, tied into the mouth and the oral cavity and teeth. But outside of the design of the worlds and the characters, as far as the gameplay, it just it controls so good. And that was one thing I was curious about too. Not that I didn't have faith in Double Fine, but you know, sometimes a game from 16 years ago, especially some of those older action platformers, maybe they don't age too well. Well, as far as the case that Psychonauts 2 is, Double Fine has modernized the controls and updated to stay very current with the likes of say ratchet and clank most recently the action platformer that i was playing through and the controls are great so it's been a, a very much a pleasure to play through this game i've played about six hours so far and there's been a few different mines that i've gone through there's the hub area of the mother lobe is what they call it and it's just been <laughs> An absolute blast to play this game, to be honest with you. The second game up this week that I was playing and putting some decent amount of time into, and for the first time in a while, to be honest with you, and I was happy to get back to it, was MLB The Show 21. Believe it or not, since last recording, I actually played four games in my franchise as the Oceanic Bay Sharks, my created team and franchise. And I got to tell you guys, I absolutely loved my time with the game. Now, I'll just go ahead and preface, out of those four games, I won two, lost two. So, you know, I, I can take a loss. It's realistic. I can take it on the chin. So, and, and I could still have fun in losing a game as well if it was a hard-fought loss. So there was a three-game series that I played against the Phillies to close out this four-game set. The first game was finalizing a series that I had against the Washington Nationals. But that three-game series against the Phillies was a really big deal for me. It was my first series back home, playing in my home stadium, my created stadium of Tropical Falls. And it was just kind of like nice coming home as a homecoming, uh, as it tends to be in these sports games when you're playing a franchise and you get sucked into creating your own storyline for your teams and whatnot. And man, I got to tell you, it was just 
made even more so exciting because the Phillies are a divisional rival for me in the National League East. So going into this game, we were essentially, or this series, they were up a game in the standings over me. So I win the first game. And I got to tell you, it was a fun game. I pulled out by one run. The second game, whoever wins that game is going to switch places in the standing. So because of the win-loss ratio being what it was for me and the Phillies, I was in fourth place coming into that game. I ended up winning that game, and they were in second place. So we swapped. I became second place in the National League East, which was the highest I had gotten in the standing so far this season, and they dropped to fourth. So for me, it was a big deal to not only win this third game in the series, to continue to stay and maintain my position above them and in second, but also it would have been really nice to sweep them in the series at home. Well, guys, it was a fun game that went all the way to the 10th inning. Yep, I did go into extra innings, and it got to the 10th, top of the 10th, and they scored a run, and it put them up 3-2. to two. Well, I get my chance to try to win, and or at least tie in the bottom of the 10th. Well, I get a runner all the way to third, two outs. One of my best hitters, if not my best hitter, comes up to the plate. I had a line drive, and I couldn't tell initially off the bat if it was going to be a base hit and go over his head, or if it was going to be right into his glove, the center fielder, that is. Unfortunately, it was right into his glove and game over. I was like, ah, I was that close to getting that walk-off win. And I did not. But going into an extra inning game and ending it the way that it did, I didn't feel there was any sports game shenanigans, any unfairness going on. uh, As Logan Phoenix and I like to call it, sports game shenanigans, that is. So I accepted it, took it on the chin. I didn't sweep the Phillies at home, but I still had a lot of fun playing the game. And overall, just my time with MLB The Show this past week was awesome. Now, next up is my highlight of the week. And it might surprise you what this game is going to be. Gamers, just earlier I was speaking about platformers, obviously referencing Psychonauts 2, but my highlight of the week this week is in fact a platformer that I played, and it is not Psychonauts 2. It is in fact Sly Cooper Thieves in Time. And you're probably saying, wait a minute, where did that come from? What, where, where did you play that game from? That's a PS3 game. Are you playing on a PS3? No, actually, in fact, I am still playing my PlayStation Vita, and I have been very much wanting to get into the Sly Cooper series. Believe it or not, I'd never played a single Sly Cooper as long as the series has been around since PlayStation 2. Didn't play a single one of the three on the PS2, didn't play Thieves in Time on the PS3. Well, Around the hype of there possibly being a new Sly Cooper coming out for PS5, and as much as I loved Ratchet and Clank and Jack and Daxter and always kicked myself for never trying Sly Cooper, I said, man, i got to get in on this series and try it out somehow. So, outside of PlayStation Now on the PS5, I happened to have a PS Vita, and I figured, you know what, let me see if it's for digital download on the store there. And sure enough, it was. I decided to give it a shot. 
because PlayStation Vita is kind of my at night right before bed, that final 45 minutes to an hour. I'll play something on the Vita or via xCloud on my phone. And let me tell you, ever since I started playing Sly Cooper, it has only been Sly Cooper Thieves in Time that I have played right before bed. I got to tell you guys, I absolutely love it. I love the character of Sly Cooper. Oh man, I, I played about four hours up to this point. And in the beginning of the game, there's obviously the tutorial. It's this really cool museum heist that I think does a perfect job of explaining the gameplay to you. There's three different characters that you can alternate play as, and they really do a great job, the developer, of giving you all the fine details of the basics of each character in this tutorial mission. And I felt like the story was individual enough to where, obviously, being someone who never played any of the previous games, I didn't need to. I was able to come into this game and fully understand and embrace what was going on and feel like I wasn't missing out on anything. It's its own kind of standalone, isolated story. I'm sure there may be things that they reference or maybe there's little Easter eggs that I might miss out on at some point in the game. But so far, I have not missed a beat and I have absolutely loved it. And once you get past this training mission, you get to a point where obviously you begin traveling through time. And the first place you go is feudal Japan. And let me just tell you that I have fallen in love with this rendition of Feudal Japan. The way the animation and the graphics look in this game, it's like controlling a cartoon, like a Pixar cartoon. And it looks really good on the Vita, and I'm sure it would look even better on the TV through a PS3 or even on the PS5. But man, it still is a really nice looking game. The details of the character models and the environment shine through really well, and I've just absolutely enjoyed and had a blast exploring these little areas that are kind of broken up into what the game calls jobs in the different areas of feudal Japan. And the storyline is just really cool too, and the reasoning behind having to travel in time and the things that I've done so far in feudal Japan. Don't really want to spoil anything for you if you do want to check out the game. But uh, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. The platforming's great. The stealth is excellent. I could very much see how this game came, or this series came, from Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch didn't develop this specific game, but they did do the original trilogy on PS2. Obviously, they went on to create Ghost of Tsushima, which is very heavy on the stealth. I could definitely see how that was the evolution of what they were doing in Sly Cooper, if this is how the original trilogy played out. It's just so well done. Uh, there's a lot of mini games that you can do. There's this hub that you go to that's kind of your base of operations in between what the game calls jobs. And in this base of operations is where you can look at the treasures, in, which are essentially collectibles that you've collected throughout your time in the different worlds, as well as all your different wardrobe and outfit options. And there's an arcade that I haven't unlocked yet that as you progress in the game, you can unlock it. And then there's kind of like a little mini store that you can purchase items from for, you know, whether it be abilities or different cosmetics for your characters. Just a lot of stuff there going on that I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed in my time with the game. And I cannot wait to keep playing more. And there is no question for me this week when trying to decide that this was my highlight of the week. Now... Let's go check out some Buried Treasure gaming tips that I have for you in Psychonauts 2. Gamers, when it comes to Psychonauts 2, you are definitely going to want to 
purchase what the game refers to as pins, which are essentially customizable options to different abilities that you can have, as well as different buffs, if you will, or stat buffs to your different abilities. Now, in addition to pins, you also have items and many other things that you can buy and upgrade with the game's currency, which is referred to as Citanium. So you want as much Citanium as you can possibly muster at any given time. And the way the game starts you out, your wallet essentially is very, very much constrained as far as the amount of Citanium that you can carry. So once you get to a point in the mother lobe, I would tell you and recommend very highly to go to the automatic vending machine. And there's multiple ones spread throughout the game, so it doesn't necessarily have to be here at this one in the mother lobe. It's just the first opportunity you have, which I would say jump on this opportunity. But the bottom line is you want to buy a Cyfold wallet as soon as possible. And this is going to exponentially increase the amount of Citanium that you can carry. And I promise you, you will want to do this as soon as possible, reiterating again, because you can therefore upgrade and do all kinds of different things that much sooner in your adventure with Raz. So... To reiterate, as soon as you possibly can, grab up as much Citanium as possible to buy that Cyfold wallet upgrade and then just keep the Citanium flowing. So now, let's go check out what my Captain's Decree is. Gamers, as stated, I have obviously been loving Sly Cooper on the PlayStation Vita this past week. And if you've listened to this show in the last few months, you'll know that when I went on vacation recently, I was all about the PlayStation Vita playing Trails of Cold Steel. Great RPG. Absolutely loved it. The bottom line is I absolutely have loved my PlayStation Vita. So my captain's decree here today and this week is just that. I love the PlayStation Vita and also hate myself for not enjoying and supporting it more. So what I mean is, this system is such an awesome system. And it just pains me so bad to know that it is a discontinued system at this point. Because I feel like it was so before its time. And even thinking back to the timing that it came out around 2012 and the pricing of it and things of that nature. 250 bucks is really not that bad for what you got from the PlayStation Vita. I mean, it was just below being a literal portable PlayStation 3. And that, to me, is absolutely insane. I thought it was insane at the time. Unfortunately, I didn't appreciate it until just within the last year, probably, when I started picking up Trails of Cold Steel and really appreciating what the Vita is offering. I mean, the fact that it has that interconnectivity between your PlayStation Network account and your gamer tag on the home console, as well as on the go. I mean, I feel like it was essentially xCloud before there was xCloud. And the fact that it has trophies for its games and it adds to, it's not a separate account, it all adds to your same PlayStation Network tag. I love that. I love that I'm sitting here not playing my PS5 for a little while because I'm doing some stuff on the Xbox, but I can still add to my trophy level progress by playing Sly Cooper or any other game on the Vita. The fact that you can do different things on it like remote play and play different games from the Vita on the PlayStation console or vice versa. Uh, there's just so many different things. And, and in playing a PS4 game on the Vita, uh, 
there's just a lot of things that I feel that were technologically amazing about this console. It's got the back touch pads. It's got dual analog sticks on the front. There is just so many cool things about it. The touch screen on the front. I just There's just feature after feature. And it baffles me that it did not do as well as I feel that it should. But I was also a huge advocate and lover of the PSP. And I also felt that did not do as well as I felt it should in comparison to the Nintendo DS. So I'm not hating on the DS or even the Switch in this day and age. And I feel that the PS Vita was a product of, unfortunately, it came out at the wrong time. Because it was around the time that portable gaming, as far as console portable gaming, was on its way out for a little bit, for a little bit of dormancy, while mobile gaming in the sense of cell phones really blew up and kind of took over. But I think it took that time frame for people to realize, ah, we want a little bit more out of our mobile gaming than just this. And of course, right around that time is when the Switch came out. So perfect timing for the Switch, bad timing for the Vita. But at the end of the day, I just, I hate that I didn't support it more. I, you know, and that I'm guilty of that. I'm one of the many that did not support it as well as I feel that I should have. I didn't buy as many games for it. They started right out the gate with a lot of great games exclusive to the console. Assassin's Creed Liberation, the Batman Arkham Blackgate game, and just so many more. I just want to put it out there. If you've never had a Vita, or if you have the means to get one, I would highly recommend it. It's still a great console. It controls and feels great in your hands. And you can still continue your PlayStation legacy on the go with this console. It's just so cool. If you can find it at a good price, highly, highly recommend it. So I just got a decree one more time. I absolutely love the PlayStation Vita. That'll do it for this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed your time aboard the SS Gamer. You can join its crew by searching for Hulking Yoda on the Xbox or PlayStation Networks. Reach out to me via email at lostatcgaming365 at gmail.com, as well as find me on social media on Instagram at lostatcgaming and on Twitter at lostatcgamin, the number one. Thank you for listening, and until the sea says otherwise, we'll keep sailing.